Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Welcome to Salt and Light. Once again, Pastor Randy Mitchell and joined once again by Brother Max Robinson. Brother Max, it is great to see you today. Hope that you are having a good day and we're looking forward to what God's going to do through the broadcast here today. Everything going well? Everything is going well. It's been a, been a good day so far. And uh, I know as Christians, you know, every day really is a good day in the Lord, even though we're going through things and trials and things from time. But we still have that confidence, that joy that Christ gives us. Yeah, amen. Well, I, I'm a fellow morning person, and so a lot of our listeners, whether they're listening at home or driving to work, and not everyone is uh, a morning person. I'm more of a morning person than my wife, that's for sure. And uh, she likes to stay up late, and I like to get up early. And we made a compromise years ago. I'll, I said, I'll stay up late with you, and then I'll get up early with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am jealous of her. She, she can sleep. I, no matter what time I get to bed, I'm usually up pretty, pretty early. And um, not everyone's a morning person. Some people wake up, and it's like, good morning, Lord. And then um, others wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> so regardless of who you are, we do appreciate you tuning in to Salt and Light. It is a joy to be with you here today. Last week, Brother Max, we talked about the things that make us a Christian, what we believe and why we believe it. And it was, I thought it was a really, really good topic that uh, people need to understand. And I like the fact that we drew people's attention to the authority of the Bible. And folks, you need to understand that Salt and Light Broadcast is not about our opinions, it's about what the Bible says. And that's the whole purpose of Salt and Light. Take the Word of God and things that have been sadly and unfortunately left out of pulpits in America. Most of the problems we're seeing in America, especially among churches, Brother Max, is the result of preachers who are unwilling to um, to pay the price of preaching the whole counsel of God. And it's so important. The Bible tells us what we're supposed to believe, how we're supposed to believe it, how we're supposed to put it into practice. And I know that there are a lot of things we deal with in current culture today that's not directly addressed in the Bible. I mean, technology is crazy, and there's so many things, whether it be electronic technology or medical technology, there's decisions that we're having to make that, I mean, years ago, Christians didn't even know it would ever exist, you know, life support, decisions, medical decisions, and transplants, and then you go into the technology world, and so many of these electronic-type technologies are, uh, they can be good tools for good, but many of them have become tools for evil. And how do we discern what we should allow into our life and what we don't? And that's what uh, brings us to our topic for today. I think it's an addendum to what we talked about last week, and that is we're going to talk today about convictions versus legalism. 
And so those are terms that most Christians are probably familiar with. Uh, conservative Christians, as we mentioned last week, are frequently accused of being legalistic. And the fact of the matter is, Brother Max, some truly are. I've known some Christians who had strong beliefs, and their spirit and the way their attitude about it was not out of a desire to please God, but it was out of a desire to impress people or almost as if Christianity is a competition and I'm going to try to be more Christian than everybody else around me and uh, it's, you know, it's more of a dominance rather than a, uh, an act of love and a desire to please the Lord. So yes, there are Christians out there that are truly legalistic or pharisaical but people who have strong convictions and beliefs, you can't lump everybody. You can't judge no. everyone according to, you know, you can't judge one person based on their similarities to another person because we're not all the same. You know, to go into this a little bit, one, the thought of legalism is awfully, oftenly, often misconstrued in the fact that you study scripture. I, I like Galatians 5.1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled in in the yoke of bondage. Well, you go through what's being taught there. Christ made us free, right? He, his death, burial, and resurrection. We now have this liberty. We're not under the law. We're not under the things that were required in the Old Testament law. Christ fulfilled the law. Now, we still have the teachings of, um, you know, abstain from fornication, adultery, all these different things, which mm -hmm. is, if we're saved, we're born again, well, that's not fruit of the Spirit, obviously. That's fruit of the flesh, and so we're not going mm -hmm. to do those things. But that legalism part in that was trying to get people to go back under the law, right? For the Gentiles, well, you need to be circumcised. Well, you need this and this and this. And adding it to the faith and salvation and as a requirement, that's bringing legalism in, in a strict sense. Yeah. And in a strict sense, legalism has nothing to do with having high standards of Christian living. Legalism exactly. is saying, I have to do all of these things in order to be saved. And so just because somebody has higher standards than you does not mean in any sense of the word that they're legalistic. Now, the modern Christians today, Brother Max, the, I mean, the contemporary style of Christianity, many of those pastors, I have, I have observed that the only thing that they preach against passionately is Phariseeism. And they presume that, you know, if people like us that we believe the Bible, and we have some convictions and standards, and we believe that you, we should be separated and sanctified, and we should live holy lives. Oftentimes, they automatically label us Pharisees, and I find that's the only thing they preach passionately against is Phariseeism. And the fact of the matter is, is people like us are becoming dinosaurs, and it's like, why are they... If, if they in their heart and conscience truly believe that their view of grace and liberty is accurate according to the scripture, why do they only, why do they preach so often against the dinosaurs that hardly exist anymore? I mean, there's all kinds of problems in our culture, and they just want to focus on the, the minority that still have higher standards than them. That ought to, that ought to at least get somebody to wake up and say, wait a minute. 
there's something wrong with this. And I think the best way to discover and see what's wrong with modern Christianity is to just tune out the media and, you know, quit reading all of the Christian books from the Christian bookstore and just read the Bible. Get into the Word of God, and you're going to... The best way to to discover a crooked stick is to put a straight stick next to it. And this book right here is the, sta- is the standard. It when is we talk about standard. standards and convictions, this Bible right here is the standard. I, I totally agree. And we, you know, often is what you see is the other side of the coin that's ignored is we have liberty but we're not to use our liberty for an occasion to sin there's that balance that needs to be struck that's right we are we are at liberty to live righteous we're not at liberty to live sinful lifestyles a huge difference folks we'll look forward to joining you next segment Welcome back to Salt and Light. I want to start out this segment by reading Galatians 2.16. We're talking about legalism versus convictions and demonstrating the difference that the scripture teaches. Galatians 2.16 says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Brother Max, that is what legalism, to, to feel or to believe that we are justified by our own works, by the things that we do. And, you know, back in Paul's day, he could write this. They had a number of different Jewish laws and Jewish traditions that they were accustomed to, and that's primarily what he's talking about. In modern times today here in America, we have a very Christian culture, and so I would say that while in Paul's day it was issues such as keeping the Ten Commandments, issues such as circumcision, issues such as keeping the Sabbath and so forth, in modern Christianity here in America today, a lot of it would come down to different religious ceremonies such as, you know, baptism. Uh, such as uh, the Lord's Supper or communion. Uh, A lot of these different religious works, people think that's part of their salvation. And Paul makes it clear that we are not justified by anything that we do, but rather by the faith of Jesus Christ. We are justified in the eyes of God based upon what Jesus did for us. And by receiving him and believing, putting our faith and trust in the cross of Calvary, that is our justification before God. And so you mentioned in the last segment that we have liberty in Jesus Christ. And I know a lot of people who quote that and say that, but they abuse that text and they misunderstand what that liberty actually means, as if we have liberty. And so now basically, since I'm in Christ, I can do whatever I want. In fact, I, now I believe, and we're this topic today, we're not going to talk about eternal security, but I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. You don't get unborn again, okay? But we get accused falsely of saying, well, if you believe that, you believe you can get saved and then live however you want. Well, I don't believe it that way. I I believe that if you get saved, 
yeah, you're, you may commit a sin and you're not going to lose your salvation, but there's going to be a change that took place in your heart. As a believer, I don't get to sin however much I want. I end up sinning a whole lot more than I want. And that is because that old nature that's within me. And so a lot of it's just misunderstandings or false accusations. And that's why it's so imperative that we distinguish the difference from a biblical standpoint of what real legalism is versus the type of Christianity we're supposed to have with biblically sound convictions and standards in our life of how we ought to live. And we definitely should have some convictions and standards. And I think you can go through scripture and see where uh, different men and women had those things. And it it's part of what uh, sets us apart, right? We're, we're told, come out and be separate, right? We are to be separate. You got to be different. If you're going to be different, you have to have a standard. Look, look at our military. Do we all look like the military? How do we know that they have standards? Mm-hmm. They have dress standards. They have behavioral standards that sets them apart, makes them unique, identifies them with the organization they are. Well, it used to be more commonplace in Christianity that those standards were implied. You know, if you were a Christian, well, you don't drink, you don't do this, you don't do that. You didn't have to say anything. A lost person automatically attributed that to a Christian. They knew there were certain things that they were foregoing in their life for the sake of their testimony for Christ. But now we, sadly, modernism is repudiating all that. They're saying, well, that's... It's a reverse legalism. Right. We No, we need to look like the world. We need to be in the world. We need to immerse ourselves in the world so we don't alienate the world. Yeah. Well, we're to come out from the world so they can see Christ. Yeah. And so, so many Christians think, well, God doesn't care what I look like. Well, you know, how you look and what you do and how you act is not your salvation, okay? Salvation is in Jesus Christ. Let's make that crystal clear. In fact, before I finish that comment, let me read here Ephesians 2, 8 uh, and And 9, through through 10, actually. I'm going to leave 10 in there. 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe that with all of my heart. But I also believe verse number 10 that says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, in those good works. And so there's that balance there from the scripture. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's true Bible Christianity. We're saved by grace through faith, but we're saved to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that's why it's so important that we understand that we're not legalistic by having standards and convictions. And, you know, people say that, well, God doesn't care what you look like. I guarantee you, you care. You, if you're going to fly across the country and you walk onto that plane, you know, the, the, the um, uh, attendants, you can't call them stewardesses anymore. You, the attendants are standing there waiting on you to welcome you onto the plane. And typically, as you walk onto that plane, you look over to the left-hand side, and you look in, and you see the captain in the cockpit. 
and he usually has a uniform on, you know, a nice white shirt. It's got his, uh, you know, all his decorations, and he's either got his hat on or his hat sitting next to him, and you see he looks very professional. He looks like a pilot. If I walked onto a plane and I'm getting ready to fly and I look in there and I see that the, the pilot of the plane has on flip-flops and Bermuda shorts and a tank top, I don't know that I'm going to be very secure about riding that plane because that's a very serious thing. Well, doesn't our Christianity and doesn't eternity and doesn't, I mean, I think about it as a preacher. I'm standing before people and I'm giving them the truth of God's word. I'm representing God. That's an even greater responsibility than flying an airplane. And so, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to stand up and look in a way that's drawing attention to how I'm dressed, but I believe that, that we should be representative and look like, hey, this is a very professional, a very serious thing. And so nowadays people have just jumped on board with this idea that anything that's traditional, anything that's old-fashioned is legalistic, and we've been freed from all of that as if this new modern Christianity has been hid for 2,000 years and all of the people that don't read the Bible but have Google, they figured out what real Christianity is and all of us dinosaurs, we need to just get with it or shut up. And, you know, I know that sounds very sarcastic, but that is really the mentality of the modern Christian. It is. And it's interesting, too, that there are places that they even still tried to have, and they're not even religious organizations, they're not even Christian-esque at all, but they, they impose some standards. You, you and I have been invited to eat at a very nice restaurant in Charlotte this, this coming weekend. Oh, yeah. And you know what? They have standards. They have requirements for you even to enter into their restaurant and sit at their dining table and eat. It's not unreasonable. They're, they're, they're wanting to create an environment that sets them apart, right? Makes them unique, makes it a great dining experience. Their professional staff and those that are serving and doing, it, it all has an inf effect and an impact. It, it, you can't deny that. So why do we want to undo certain things in the work of God? And the, I guarantee you, I, I, when we get to heaven and we are in the presence of God in holiness, there's going to be decorum. There's going to be proper speech. There is going to be holy reverence by all and us that are there, and we are going to be concerned. And God clearly is concerned because he yeah. says he's giving us a robe of righteousness. That's right. I mean, it's like Adam was pretty content with the fig leaves he sewed together until God showed up, and all of a sudden he hides himself right? because <laughs> he was afraid. You know, there's a difference, and that is why Christian, that's why there's so much immodesty and foolishness going on in churches and in Christianity today. It's because it's a testimony, sadly, that God's presence is not there. When God's presence is somewhere, we, we become conscious and aware of anything in our life that is not bringing glory and honor to him. And that's why, you know, I mentioned a moment ago, we believe Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We believe Titus 3, 5. We're not saved by works. But we also believe 1 Corinthians 10, 31 that says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. These are all the things in our common life every day 
Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And there is too many Christians out there, Brother Max, that allow things into their life because it's accepted among their peer group or maybe even they have a liberal preacher who has succumbed to all of the spirit of this age and so they'll find a church that is never going to preach anything that brings them under conviction, never going to make them feel guilty. They'll choose a church, there's plenty to choose from, somewhere where they go in, they can live however they want and still go to church and feel good about how they're living. And listen, if we're not living righteous, then we don't need to feel good about it. We need to feel conviction and we need to recognize that, hey, my life is not bringing glory and honor to God. I need to change and I need to get this fixed. And that's what preaching, that's what the Word of God, that's what Christian fellowship should be all about. That's what salt and light is all about. It's we're supposed to have an effect on other people for good, for righteousness, and for holiness. And we definitely need to be led by the Spirit in those things. And as we mentioned, it's not just, we're not to lord our convictions over others. We're all to be led by the Spirit. Absolutely. We all have to have a heart to want, God, show me. You show me, Lord, how I need to handle this. How should I be? That is the way it needs to be. If if we... If we're trying to lord these things over other people, then you're going to get that false label of legalist, but you also need to check your heart. We need to live for the Lord. We can't change people. We need to live for God. That is right. It is not a competition. It is not a peer pressure where we're trying to be conformed to those around us. We are not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, that's where true Christianity and being spiritual, that's where it really affects our life and that's what's needed in Christianity today. All right, Brother Max, we're going to change gears uh, once again, talk a little bit about uh, what we started talking about last week. Uh, during this third segment of Salt and Light, and that is Christian persecution. And so let me turn things over to you once again, and uh, let's, um, let's talk to our listeners about Christian persecution. Last time we dived into this a little bit, and just at a very high level, we, we went into some history, and it's the history of persecution for those that believe God, the living God, Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> that there is persecution, there are things that are going to come. And we looked at some passage in Matthew, but there's a passage also in 2 Timothy 3.12 that says, and all, all them that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Uh, some, some form, some way. We, you and I, are, we're going to be going on a mission trip, and uh, one of the men that I met in Ecuador before, his coming to Christ and breaking out of the religion that he grew up in by truly putting his faith in Jesus Christ suffered real persecution in Ecuador, in a place that's safe. Uh, his father actually broke his jaw when he made a statement that I, I have, I'm saved, I'm born again, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. His own father broke his jaw. He suffered persecution. We all don't face that. I know when I got saved, eight years old, I came home and told my folks they were happy. 
Mm -hmm. I didn't get my jaw broke. (laughs) We all don't face that. I know another man down there, uh, and he's up in the high up in the Andes Mountains, and uh, he he had lost his leg, and his his life and service for Christ, and uh, in persecution that he had faced, that uh, angry group of people, angry at the message he was preaching, took off his his leg, his uh, prosthesis and repeatedly beat the man. It was persecution for his faith. And these, this is in our time. This is in our era. And it, it's real. It's something that is happening in countries all over the world. Uh, there's been forms of it in America in the sense that certain businessmen have tried to stand up to have their liberty to run their business as they uh, morally see from the Word of God as the Holy Spirit has led them, their convictions as we've looked at, right, Mm -hmm. and studied in the first or the second uh, segment particularly, that their convictions led them to have certain standards with their business that they own, they operate. They were sued, right? They they suffered, and there was a form of persecution because they did it out of their faith in God is how they were handling that. So we've had some forms of that and but there are very radical forms that have been happening in the last century or so uh, and there's a couple organizations in particular that highlight that and i know some of these organizations maybe on every level doctrinally we may not see eye to eye but i i i pray for them i think they do a great job of bringing out uh, these atrocities that are happening, bringing emphasis. One is the voice of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't get their publication, I, I encourage you to sign up for their publication. Read the things that they are putting out there in the various countries across the world and, and the efforts they're trying to make to help Christians that are going through real sufferings for their faith in Jesus Christ. There's another one, Open Doors. We have, a, we have an organization within the United States that's the ACLJ, the American Center for Law and Justice, who supports things on various levels. They, they are a, a huge ad, advocate in the abortion issue, and uh, they have gone up to the Supreme Court multiple times, um, and they continue to do things, but they also do so much for Christians, even in other Christians, in other nations that are imprisoned, that are, are going through various things, and they fight. They, there's defense funds that they have. They go on their behalf to try and help, one, bring exposure to the plight they're in and Christianity is in, but also to bring them out of this, this particular plight that they're in. And so these are very real things. Uh, it's happening in, in various countries like um, the Sudan. You have North and South Sudan and the persecution that's like Nigeria, Northern Nigeria, the sufferings that Christians are going through. People are being murdered for their faith, for their Christian faith. This is, this is not just fairy tale. This is not just story. And again, some of these things is what Voice of the Martyrs brings out. And and I know you that you know the history of the Voice of the Martyrs, and which really brought this uh, to attention to at least many Christians was Richard Wormbrat, mm-hmm. Romania, 
mm-hmm. not just under communism, but the Nazi years, what him and his wife, the things they've gone through and suffered, and many other Christians within that nation, uh, it is horrific. And the years of imprisonment for their faith in Jesus Christ. And these are, these are real things. And Open Doors uh, has a few statistics, and I, I, just, I think it's worth mentioning. They said that currently at least 360 million people, Christians, and I, I know we've, we've gone through the true definition of that, and so there's probably a little latitude with this. You know, mm-hmm. there may be uh, a number of people and Christians in name only, but they live in what they classify countries with significant, significant oppression, persecution. There's been over 5,600 5, murdered for their faith, for their faith in Jesus Christ, martyred. This is this year. This is our lifetime. This is happening today. Uh, 6,000 imprisoned, 4,000 kidnapped, and sadly, over 5,000 churches have been destroyed. We know China's been on a tear on this, a tear. I, I, we look at China, we look at some things. I, look, I, we're not going to, we're not, this isn't a political show, but they're a threat to our country, politically, uh, economically, but they're a threat to the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. They are an oppressor of this. If we're going to look at anything fundamentally, it ought to be on that level. They oppose Jesus Christ, they oppose the gospel going freely. They've imprisoned men and women for uh, getting the gospel out, getting Bibles into the hands of people, right? Churches, if you're not a state-sanctioned church, going to preach what the state wants, if you're going to preach what Christ said, you're going to face imprisonment, and many have. And these are, again, things that are happening in our life today. I, I would like us all that are listening to think about that. We live in America. We, we, we have so many liberties and freedoms, and I, I'm thankful for the blessings of God on this country. But our brothers and sisters in Christ in many countries are imprisoned. Their, their lives are they're in jeopardy. Their very existence. There are many that can't work just because they believe and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, and folks, we're not given a guilt trip here. No. Because I know from experience, guilt trips are very short-lived. So there's, there's no guilt trip. This is just a reality check so that we know. Because you're not hearing these things in the media. The news media is not going to tell you about that. Even, you know, you'll, you'll hear about someone from America that is imprisoned in a communist country if they're a sports star or somebody that is well-known. But if a missionary or a Christian is over there to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, they just kind of get left uh, left aside and, and, and aren't mentioned. And that's going on. But even the believers, you know, the gospel is very powerful. And there are people, Brother Max, I, I know you've read the book that I just recently finished entitled The Insanity of God. And it's a modern book. And the gentleman that wrote it was a missionary to Somalia. He ministered in the 
uh, late 80s and early 90s and after his ministry in Somalia and trying to give a lot of humanity humanitarian relief as well as get the gospel his ministry was kind of shut down it wasn't he couldn't it wasn't going anywhere so the lord led him to visit some persecuted countries like Russia and China and various places and he chronicled and met with a lot of persecuted Christians that they were real Christians and many of them didn't have an entire portion of the Bible some of them the only Bible they had is what they had memorized many of them were thrown into prison and endured great suffering just because they were believers in Jesus Christ and so, um, you know, th those believers, they, they weren't jealous of American Christianity. They would rejoice that we have the freedom and that we don't have to go through the things that they went through. But none of them viewed themselves as victims. They were, their focus was on Jesus Christ, and they counted it a privilege and a pleasure to suffer for his namesake. One of them asked, or the, the author of this book was asked, do you think that Christians in America will ever be persecuted? And uh, this author said something that was very, very sobering to me. He said, why would Satan persecute American Christians when his purpose to promote persecution is to shut Christians up? Not just in prison, but to shut their mouths so that they won't tell other people about Jesus why would Satan wake us up from sleep with persecution when Christians aren't telling people about Jesus? That really spoke to my heart, and it made me realize the freedom and privilege that we have in America. We ought to take advantage of it, and we need to open up our mouth and start making a stand and saying, hey, I'm willing to be identified with Jesus Christ. He is my Savior, and I want to tell you about him. And we, we need to be... We need to take it to heart. I, I believe Christians in America, we do, we don't need to get woke. Too many are getting woke. We need to be awake, right? We yeah. need to be awake in Christ and the truth in Christ and exercise the liberty we've talked about. That is to go join a local church, hear the teaching and preaching of God, go forward in Christian service with the purpose to evangelize the world, bringing the hope of Christ to the masses of people that need him. There's still billions of people that are unreached. They need the Lord. And we need to be faithful in that. We need to exercise those liberties that we have to serve God and go forward in these areas. More churches in America close today than open. That, that's a t statistical fact. That's even rep reported by LifeWay through the Southern Baptist Convention. They're reporting that. It's not just an IFB thing. This is, this is what's taking place. American Christians, those that are born again, we, we need to awake. We need to go forward and serve and join the cause that our brothers and sisters in other countries are paying a very terrific price for. And we need to wake up and we need to quit living our lives for our own prosperity, our own security, and our own pleasure and start living true Christian lives where we care about souls, we care about telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is the only thing that can save their soul.
right, this is our final segment of Salt and Light for today. And uh, like what we've been doing, Brother Max, is we're going to close out today's broadcast with kind of a life-helpful, not self-help, but life-helpful principles from God's Word, things that we all have to deal with from time to time. We're going to talk about, in this segment, stress management, something that I don't consider myself an expert in, but um, maybe we can talk about some things and help one another and maybe in turn help our listeners because, listen, this day and age that we live in, um, we all have a lot of stress, more than we ought to. Some of it we borrow upon ourselves, and uh, we need to make some life changes. And, you know, Jesus predicted that in the last days, he said that men's hearts will be failing them for fear. You know, of course, anxiety is a form of fear, and then stress is just this, that pressure of life. And uh, being a pastor, I look back at too many, uh, too many times in my ministry where I was pressure-led rather than spirit-led. And, and I'm always reminded of what Jesus said. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I've had times where that's been very convicting when I've had sleepless nights and I've been up and, you know, quote unquote praying. Sometimes I call it praying. I think I'm praying, but really what happens is I say, Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. And then I just start thinking in front of him. <laughs> and I've had times where I've had to catch myself. And it's like, I'm sorry, Lord, I wasn't even talking to you anymore. I was just thinking out loud, trying to figure out my problem on my own rather than truly pour out my heart to you and say, Lord, I'm stressed, I, I'm anxious, I, I'm dealing with this, I, I need your help emotionally speaking. We're all emotional creatures, and uh, the burdens and pressures of life, the responsibilities, and then just the circumstances that come our way that we can't control, they all have a tendency to cause stress. And we are not living in a day and age where we are taught how to manage stress. Uh, there's a lot of nonsensical stuff out there and I, and I know we probably got some listeners that have been helped with their stress management by you know when you think about managing stress today most people think of spend time in meditation uh, spend time doing yoga or something like that and that's you know I'm sure that there are probably some tangible things that people do that maybe helps them through I think a lot of those things just end up being distractions and then, you know, in all honesty, when they get through that time of meditation, the stress is still there. They just got a little bit of a break for it. I think the scripture talks about something that's far greater than that, managing our stress and our burdens and our pressures. And I know, Brother Max, you've been in ministry uh, many years as well as myself. And anytime we have responsibilities, we have pressures. And when we have pressures, we have stress. Yes, and I have some stress that I hope you're going to help me with right now. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so I'm your pupil here, and you're going to oh. you're going to give me some things here. Now, yeah, I, I agree. You're, I know you're we in both, trouble, brother. <laughs> we both have had stress, and it seems like we keep going down uh, the same road here. But the answer is Christ. It is His Word. He does give us some things, but He gives us some very insightful scriptures, and I know you have and have some written down as well. And you know, one that clearly comes to the top of my list is you know casting all our care upon him but the other half of that verse is he cares for us the lord does care we can go to him with the things that we have and bring them to him give them to him and 
let him work them out. I know I'm guilty of. Yes, Lord, it's yours, but in the back of my mind, I'm still trying to figure out an exit plan or something else <laughs> instead of just truly letting him have it. You know, it's interesting that Peter was the one who wrote that, casting all your care upon him. Peter was a fisherman, and so a lot of times I, I exercise that verse the same way that Peter probably did. I cast my care upon him, just like Peter would cast that net, and then I do what he did, and I pull the net back to me. <laughs> and usually I pick up something along the way. It might be some fishes. It <laughs> might be a some shoe. More problems. It might be, yeah, it might be some more problems. And I've certainly done that. Someone said to take your, take your burdens to, to the Lord and leave them there. And I, I have went to the altar before and poured out my heart to God and got, a re got relief for a few minutes, and then next thing you know, I'm back trying to solve my own problems. Stress management is not, I don't think it's something that we figure out permanently ever, because as soon as we learn how to manage a stress that we're dealing with now, tomorrow we get a new pressure, we get a new stress. Something happens that, okay, we learned how to deal with the one yesterday, but the new one, we still have to learn how to deal with that. I, I, I don't know that anyone ever masters this topic. And that's why I think when we were joking uh, during the break that it's like, hey, we're all students and no one ever figures this out. But I do know that the, the verse that you quoted, it's certainly been a help to me that I can cast all of my care upon him because he cares for me. And that's important to understand because when we are stressed and we're feeling that pressure, our feelings don't tell us that God cares about you. God, our feelings, because of we, what's going on inside of our, uh, of our chest and the way that our heart's racing and the way that you know we're sweating and all of these different feelings that are going on physiologically and emotionally, we can't see the Lord. We're not feeling the peace that comes from God. And I have had times when I have uh, talked to the Lord about my stresses and brought my burdens to the Lord where the Holy Spirit has just has spoken peace to my heart and just truly just came in and comforted me. I've had other times where the verse that I would claim would be what, what David wrote in the Psalms. He said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Uh, if I were writing that, sometimes I would say joy comes next week <laughs> because I'd have to have a few days or a few nights where I just, it took me time to truly learn how to release that worry to the Lord or figure out am I supposed to try to think this through or how am I supposed to feel and it's just, it's a process and uh, it's important that we understand now philippians chapter number four is a verse that uh, also is very practical first peter 5 7 casting all your care upon him for he careth for you that that tells me that i can talk to the lord because he cares about me but then we also find that philippians 4 6 says be careful for nothing and that doesn't mean being caught you know don't be cautious that doesn't mean you know drive 90 miles an hour in a 45 zone. That's not what that careful is talking about. The word literally means full of care. And being full of care is worry and stress. 
and anxiety. And the scripture says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Brother Max, I believe that with thanksgiving is so important because just like last segment, we think about the persecuted Christians. I have things that I worry and stress about. And then sometimes I think, wow, I'm just so self-centered and I'm, I'm a wimp because there are other believers that they got real problems and mine compared to theirs is really, it's nothing. And so why am I getting all worked up about this? And sometimes just an honest perspective and talking to God and, you know, sometimes the Lord with his disciples, they would be, they would be whining about the storm and it's a legitimate storm. Their ship was going down and the Lord would say, where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? And so sometimes the Lord will say, I care more about your character than I care about your feelings. And I find that theme all through scripture that even though I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't care about how I feel, but he cares about me more than he cares about my feelings. He's not cold-hearted, he's not hard-hearted toward me, but he knows what is best and sometimes he will allow me to feel a certain way until he can give me the answers and work that in my life because he cares more about my character. So be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Any last thoughts for today, Brother Max? Well, I think as you <laughs> covered the one thought, I think it's very important that a, a great help for stress management and relief is taking that inward focus off us and our problems, realizing our position in Christ and what we have and the blessing that we have and focusing on how we can help others, pray for others, and do, that it does relieve some stress. It does bring things into proper perspective and goes into Philippians 4 on the things that we're to think on, right? That's think true. on things that are lovely, true, just, honest. And if there be any glory and praise, right, think on these things. It, it, our thoughts in this need to be properly directed. That is right. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. When we will not rule our spirit and let our spirit rule us, then we're vulnerable like that city that the walls are broken down. And so we need to recognize that. God doesn't expect us to let our feelings drag us around we need to have some control over our feelings and you don't stop stressing by saying i'm going to stop stressing you stop stressing by getting outside of yourself and filling your heart and mind with the thoughts of jesus the word of god good things pure things lovely things things about others and that's one of the keys right there is to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. God bless you folks. Thank you for listening to Salt and Light today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. 
you can call upon Him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.